Think about this for a second. There are 8 billion people in the world. 8 billion people in the world. And there is literally no two people who are 100% alike. That should blow your mind. 8 billion people and no two people are alike between our physical appearances, our way we were raised, our circumstances, our decisions, who we do life with, our worldview. There's no one like you. Nobody. There might be people that have similar beliefs as you. You might run into people who have similar appearances as you. You might run into people that you have things in common with, but there's nobody in the world, not one single person, who is 100% like you. Therefore, we should not find it surprising that we'll never completely agree with everyone on everything. Matter of fact, dare I say, it is virtually impossible for two people to agree on 100% of all things. Yet we live our lives basing on who receives our love, based on who thinks like us, who believes like us, who acts like us, and in some situations, who looks like us. Even though there's nobody in the world with your viewpoint on every issue, politics, money, religion, relationships, you are uniquely you, and the person next to you today, even if you're married to the person next to you today, even if you gave birth to the person next to you today, they're not exactly like you. Life is full of situations and life is full of people in whom we will disagree with on certain subjects. Yet the reality is, though we disagree, we are commanded, do not miss the word commanded, a command is not a suggestion. When my wife tells our children to go clean their rooms, she's not giving them a suggestion. She's not saying if you feel like cleaning your rooms, it might be a good idea to go clean your rooms. When the force of Hurricane Christine speaks in the Lamb House and it says, go clean your room, it's not open for debate. It's not open for interpretation. It's not open for suggestion. It is a command, and if our children want to make it throughout the day without their bottom sides getting smacked, they will get up in that moment and they will heed that command. Why? Because it's a command. We are commanded to love people. Here's the clincher. Even the ones we disagree with. Let me give you an earth-shattering statement today that might blow your mind. Did you know that you can love people and still disagree with them on subjects? It's amazing. I don't have to compromise my beliefs to love certain people. I can hold to my convictions. I can hold to my biblical beliefs. I can hold to my worldview. And yet I can still love people who have a different outlook than I do. We're going to disagree with people. Yet if we're going to kick off a campaign called Just Love, you have to start with loving people you disagree with. It's easy for me to love people that pretty much have the same view in life that I do. 
It's easy for me to love people who have the same ambition that I have. It's easy for me to love people that I'm just naturally drawn to and I naturally like. Yet I'm commanded to love all people. The Bible says this in John 13, a new command I give you. Are you sure it's a command? Well, that's what it says. Love one another. Then he wants to expound on the love one another. He says, let me tell you what that means. As I have loved you. We'll break that down in a second. So you must love one another. Have you ever had your children and you tell them to go clean their room and you say, don't make me repeat myself? God just repeated himself. He said, love one another. Then he ends with, hey, BTW, in case you missed the first thing I said, love one another. Love one another. In case you weren't listening the first time, I want to make sure that there is no confusion about what I'm telling you to do. I want to make sure that there's no confusion on what I am commanding you to do. Love one another. And then here comes the smack in the face. He says, by this. By what? How we love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Oh, by the way, I didn't just say it one time. I'm not just going to say it two times. Let me hit it for a third time. If you love one another. Man, that is a powerful couple of scriptures. There are zero loopholes here. It doesn't say love people when they look like us. It doesn't say love people when they believe like us. It just says love one another. Then it comes back and says, and oh, what that means is, is I want you to love one another like Christ loved us. <laughs> I got to be honest with you today. That's a tall order. We have a God who loves us so much that he sent his one and only son to die on a cross for our sins. He sent his one and only son to pay the price for a debt he did not owe. And yet Jesus comes along, God comes along and says, I want you to love one another and I want you to love one another like I love one another. How did he love one another? He sent his only son. It was the ultimate love. There was no strings attached. And it says, for God so loved the white people. Oh, no, I didn't say that. My bad. My bad. For God so loved the world. Everybody. No matter the color of their skin. No matter their social standing. No matter their sexual preference. No matter their belief system. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. Then he comes back in this portion of scripture three times and tells us that we are to love one another. <laughs> we are called to love. And in this portion of scripture, God comes along and takes that love to a whole nother level. <laughs> because then he says, hey, you want to know how people will know you're my disciple? You want to know how people will know you follow me? They'll know that by what? By how you love one another. Man, that ought to convict every single one of us today. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I instantly feel the heavy burden of that. Love one another. And then by this, by the fact that you're to love one another, everyone, who's everyone? The world who did God love? The world. Everyone will know that you're his disciple. If you were on trial today for being a Christ follower, here's the question. Would there be enough love to find you guilty? 
You say, I don't know, but, 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 I, but I've been going to church for 30 years. It doesn't say you'll be known as a disciple by where you go to church. Yeah, but I did a lot of good things, Gary. Awesome. Awesome. I'm not diminishing the good things you did. But it doesn't say you'll be known as his disciple that by the good things that you do. <laughs> it says you'll be known by how we love. Even though we're all different, we're commanded to love. Jesus said this, John 13, 34, a new command. Love one another. And I've loved you. So you must love one another. He didn't say you have to agree. He didn't say you had to approve. He just said you have to love. See, see love is, is a powerful word. Love considers other people first. That goes against our natural wiring because I kind of consider me first. Someone's like, oh, man, you're right, you're selfish, you're right, and so are you. When it boils down to it, we all consider ourselves first. Love looks out for the best. Love shows respect. We're gonna break that down here in a minute, what that means. Love seeks unity. Love isn't selfish. Love also the best. Love displays patience. And we're commanded to love one another. And guess what else love does? Don't miss this. Love involves pain. Love means giving of yourself. Love, love means putting yourself out there for someone to potentially hurt you at the end of the day. Love hurts. Love means being selfless and thinking about the needs of others before we think of the needs of our own. Let me educate you on something. You'll never love anybody, anybody. Your children, your spouse, you'll never love anybody without at times there being discomfort associated with it. Because if love was easy, everybody would do it. If love was easy, we wouldn't need to be commanded to do it. It would come natural to us. We're born sinful. Hate is natural to us. Love takes work. Disagreeing with someone comes natural. Loving takes work. Loving people, especially those that we disagree with, Let's just be honest, it's kind of unnatural. We're drawn to those like us. Look at the five people in your life you're the closest to. You're the sum total of those five people. It's just reality. But the Bible commands us to love. And then he takes it up a notch and says, you'll be known as my disciple by not where you go to church, not your good deeds, not how much money you give, not how often you read your Bible, not, that, not how often you pray, not that, you, not that there's anything wrong with any of those things. But he says, you'll be known as my disciple by how we love. We live in a day and time, especially on social media, because the reality is we don't have the testicular fortitude to say the things in person that we say on a computer. But we've become known not for our love, but our disagreements, our stances. We think everybody has to know our stance. Why? Why can't we be confident enough in our stance? Someone made a comment to me that said, boy, you love to get into it on Facebook. No. You have the perception that I love to get into it on Facebook. You can go to any post I make. I make my stance. It can have 900 comments. And you never see me respond to anybody. I don't argue on Facebook. 
I'm not arguing with you on my stance. Here's my stance. You guys argue about it all day long. I don't care. Nobody's ever written a comment on a Facebook status of mine that made me change my opinion and my stance. And then what happens is so many people start messaging me about people that are disagreeing. Why don't you just block that person? Why? Because they disagreed with me. I don't care that they disagreed with me. It's more power to them. Because guess what? They're entitled to their stance. My love for them is not based on their stance. I have a guy on my Facebook who literally is, excuse my language, there's no other word for me to say than this, the biggest jackass in the world. I met him about five years ago. He's an atheist. Probably 50% of you have messaged me about him. And said, why do you put up with that? Here's why. Because my job's to love him. You see him commenting on Facebook, and I laugh at how fantastic he is at getting y'all riled up. Like, it's amazing to me. But what I see is a guy who has no family that has anything to do with him, who's moved across the country because he's alone, who has pushed everybody away in his life, and he tries to push me away, and I know he's waiting for me to block him one day where he can use that as another excuse to hate God and hate the church. But I see a guy that I have private message with after private message with after private message with after private message with where we've talked about the things of God and we've talked about beliefs and we've talked about the issues that he's going through. And I would have never earned that right had I not loved him through his jack anus. (laughs) I'm trying to be good with the kids in here. My job's to love. He's a donkey. I get it. Every sense of the word. Like you messaging me is not like a revelation to me about him. Duh, I know. But my job is to love that man. I might be the only human on earth, I don't know, that has anything to do with him. Because in the five years that I've known him, it seems like he's burned every single bridge in his life by being the way he is. At the end of the day, he's about 11 states away. He doesn't affect me. My job is just to love. There will always be those that we have to agree to disagree with. We all have those people. Again, sometimes it's your spouse on certain subjects. There's people who handle their finances different. Some people are dogmatic. They're going to live debt-free and cash-only. Bam, 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 bam. Some people believe, man, the financing is out there. 0%. Use it to your favor. And, man, I listen to both sides. I'm like, man, that makes sense. And, man, I get where he's coming from. That makes sense, too, until it doesn't make sense. And, man, we just don't agree on how we handle our finances. Now, here's the difference. I know people that have broken fellowship over that. The way any of you handle your finances doesn't matter to me. Not my circus. Not my monkeys. If you ask my opinion, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to give it to you. But if you don't ask, it's not my dance. I don't answer for you. The Bible says every man must give an account for himself. Yet we want to be accountable for everybody else out there. There's things we disagree on. In the Lamb House, we are early to bed, early to rise. That's just the way we do things. But I know people that are late to bed, late to rise. We disagree on what is effective. Say, that's a minimal issue. It is, but I'm just using it as an example because there's other big issues. Here in about, what, 23 days? What if I told you that if I had to guesstimate, this church is not, I wouldn't say it's split 50-50. Pre-COVID, it was split 50-50. But who people are going to vote for in this church? What if I told you it's closer to about 60-40 right now? 
I mean, depending on where you stand on that side, 40% of the people here don't agree with who you're going to vote with. Or the other side, 60% don't agree with who you're going to vote with. And that's okay. I don't think it is. Then you're wrong. You don't understand America then. The freedom you're fighting for, you're not giving someone the freedom to disagree. And nothing makes people more ugly than politics. Let me educate you on something about my political views. You won't find a human in here more dogmatic about their views than I am. There's nothing the other side can say that will sway me on where I stand politically. But I don't get on there and wave the flag. Well, you should. Why? I don't know that anybody's ever been convinced to change their opinion based on a Facebook post. But a lot of relationships have been ruined because of a Facebook post. Then you're ashamed. I'm not ashamed. If you ask me, I'll tell you. But I choose to love. And me getting on there and fighting with people about all the things we fight about is causing more harm than it is good when Christ tells us we're to love. You know that Christ never tells us that we have to prove that we're right? I know that's a hard pill for some of you to swallow today. Not going to be a lot of amens today. Matter of fact, some of you are going to disagree with my message so much you will never come back. I've been doing this a long enough time to know that. That's okay. We can disagree. My command is to love. We have a command to love. The Bible says in Romans 12, 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on who, wake up, church. Don't fall asleep because you disagree. I'm going to read that again, and we're going to say that word out loud. For those of you that are from Pickens County and don't know how to read it's the word you. <laughs> if it is possible, as far as it depends on you. not the other person, You, me, as far as it depends on me, I'm to live at peace with everyone. But Gary, their actual, it doesn't matter. I'm not responsible for their actions. I'm responsible for how I respond, how I carry myself. As far as it depends on me, I'm to live at peace with all people. But, but, but they argue all the time and they make these comments. I'm not responsible. I'm responsible for how I respond. You justify, don't miss this, you justify your sin. You call it sin? The Bible says for him to know what to do good and do it not, it is sin. The Bible says we're to love one another. When you're not loving one another through your actions and you know you're supposed to love one another, it's sin. I just wish Gary would preach on sin. No, you don't, because when I do it, I can see some of you right now pissed off. I see it all over your faces. Wish Gary would just take a stand. Then when I take a stand, you get mad. I always kill when people join our church. Like, that's like the pastor's real, and he, he cuts up, and he does it, and he does it. He does, and then I do it to them, and they get mad. Oh, you like it when I'm honest with everybody else. Stand close, preacher. Some of you are new, you don't know that story. Let me tell you that story. I had a revival one time. I'd just given my life to Christ, and the pastor asked me to go with them to this revival meeting. You've heard me talk about the little five-foot-nothing Cherokee Indian preacher. Scream, he's preaching. Let me tell you, this sucker's hitting everything that moves. And he said, boy, some of you out there, you listen to that rock music? And this old man, I'm telling you, he had to be about 93 years old. He had these Coke bottle glasses. He would stand up, and he's like, Stand close, preacher. Never heard that phrase before. Stand close. He said, some of you women are out there running around your dress half naked. And he said, 
dang close, preacher. And he got on rocking music, and he got on drinking, and he got on drugs. And every time he would say something, the old man would stand up and he'd say, Stand close, preacher. <laughs> I'm lying, I'm dying. And then all of a sudden, old preacher, Brother Andy, he said, And some of you are out there hoarding around and sleeping with people that aren't your wife. That old man stood up and he said, You're standing too close, preacher. <laughs> For some of you today, I'm standing too close. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. It's up to us to love people, even if we disagree with them. But I know that's easier said than done. I get it, it's hard. Hey, Denise, you disrupted the whole service back there drinking. What what was it? I just decided we're doing away with all the tables. Y'all will all be sitting in rows now. You're punished because of Denise and Faye. Go to your rooms. Dang. I'm going to tell you some steps today on how to love people we disagree with because you got to know how to do it. Because again, let me tell you something. It don't come naturally. My blood starts to boil. I start to get angry. I can't tell you how. Someone said, all you do is fill my timeline on Facebook. Listen, you don't know how many posts I write that I delete before I ever post them. Sometimes I just got to get it out. And I'm like, I better not post that. Click. I comment all the time on posts. I just don't hit publish. Got to have those steps. The first step is this one. It has to start with this. We're going to show respect. We are going to show respect. Well, if want respect, they got to get respect. No. The Bible says for as much as it depends on us. There's no formula that says if they give you respect, you give them respect back. This is vital. Before we can go anywhere else, we got to start with respect. Matter of fact, because it's impossible to do the other things if you don't respect the person. Bible says in Romans 12, 10, be devoted to one another in love. Honor. It's another word for respect. Honor one another above yourselves. Respect one another above yourselves. To to, to show respect to somebody means that we choose. Let me tell you the biggest lie out there. You earn respect. Hogwash. You don't earn respect. You give respect. You choose to give respect. You choose to esteem them above yourselves. Even when you don't agree with someone's stance, we can still treat them respectfully. Earth-shattering news. Just because you disagree doesn't mean you have to be rude. Uh, A a donkey, it doesn't mean you have to be arrogant. It doesn't mean you have to be offensive. You can respect people. It's respect. Oh, don't miss this. This If you don't hear nothing else, respect is not a feeling. It's a choice. You think you got to feel it to respect somebody. Politically, you can go back to the last 12 years or ever how long Facebook's been around. I have not agreed with every person who has been our president. But you won't find one post where I've disrespected the person in that office. I didn't feel like respecting them, but I chose to respect them. The person that I am not voting for in this election, you won't find one post where I've disrespected them. I've posted some funny stuff on both sides because I have an amazing thing called a sense of humor. 
but we've got to start with respect. It's so vital. If you want to learn to respect those that disagree with you, I would challenge you to hang out with people that have different worldviews than you. One of my best friends in the world is a female who could not have more differing political views than I do. To the point that she's the president of our county's political party in that association. Do you know that her and I have never one single time ever argued about politics? And yet we've talked about politics almost every time we're together. I send her mean things about the person she's supporting all the time. She sends me mean memes all the time about the person I'm voting for. You say, how does that happen? Here's how it happens. We have respect for each other. She's entitled to her views. She understands I'm entitled to my views. Respect is a powerful thing. I've learned some things in dealing with her on how to show respect to someone you disagree with. These are just more practical than they necessarily are biblical. The biblical thing is that we're to respect, honor one another. But I want to give you just a couple of practical things I have learned from watching her deal with me and watching me interact with her. The first thing that I've learned to respect someone is you can ask questions respectfully. Ask questions. I'm not dogmatic with her. I actually want to know, why do you believe that? Why do you feel that strongly about that? She wants to know why I feel the way that I feel. I can't tell you how many times I've looked at her and said, answer me this. How did you come to that belief? I don't preface it with a smart aleck comment. I don't throw my opinion out there and then say, how can you disagree? I just simply say, man, that's interesting. Why don't you tell me how you came to that conclusion? It's respect. It's respect. Second thing I've learned is when she gives me the answer, I don't respond mean. That doesn't mean I don't debate with her. It doesn't mean that I don't let her know I don't see things the way she sees them. Disagreeing with someone isn't a big deal. It's easy to disagree with someone if you don't allow the situation to get heated. But our human nature is is to get bothered with someone who doesn't see our worldview, our religious view, our relationship view. When that happens, our first instinct is to lash out with words or... (laughs) Apparently, I'm the king of this, my wife says. It's not necessarily words. It's my facial expressions. You know, I'm disrespectful, I'm mean. And then we respond mean to someone and we wonder why they respond mean back to us. And the respect goes out the door. I know it's hard, but guess what? You can disagree without being mean. If you respect someone. This is the hardest one, but this is the game-changing one on the respect thing. Disengage before arguing. Can I tell you that me and my friend, that there's times things have started to get heated. And lucky for us, one or the other has disengaged before the argument starts. Hey, I can tell we're real passionate about this one. Man, let's just change the subject. How about them dogs? Man, let's just change the subject. Hey, you in the mood for some barbecue? Just disengage. But we can't do that because we got to let them hear our point. Why? Because it's our point. 
And we're right. (laughs) We're more concerned with winning than we are loving. We had a situation where we had someone put an offer in our house a few months ago. And if I told you the small amount of money that the deal fell apart over, you'd be shocked. And I remember asking my agent, I said, what was that about? I'll never forget, she said, some people just got to win. Because the wife wanted our house bad. To the point where she had told us, you don't tell someone this in a negotiation, it was her dream house. They came back three times. We couldn't budge because it was cash in our pocket. They could budge because the little bit of money would be financed over 30 years. It literally would have equaled 11 more dollars a month to them. But that individual was more interested in winning than giving his wife what she wanted. So many of us are more interested in winning then we are disengaging from the argument. Sometimes we just want to sound smarter. Here's something I need to educate some of us on that we don't realize. We can't change people. People come to me all the time. They're new. They've been out of church. They come to the church. You changed my life. And I'm always like, no, 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 no. I didn't change anything. I'm just the idiot God chose to use. We can't change people. We can only change ourselves and how we are in control of how we respond. Stop letting argumentative prone people dictate your actions. You know all they want to do is argue. So what you're really saying by allowing them to engage you in an argument is that you're weak. You're a puppet on a string, and they're the puppet master pulling the strings and making you dance because you don't have enough self-control to walk away from an argument, even though you know that's all they want to (laughs) do. Woo! Arguing does nothing to build a bridge in a relationship. We gotta show respect. Ask questions respectfully. Don't respond mean disengage before arguing. So not only are we gonna show respect, we're gonna show empathy. Can I tell you, I didn't know the difference between sympathy and empathy until this week. I, I didn't know that. And I heard a preacher talk about it. It sounded so odd to me because I had never heard it that I began to research it, and lo and behold, he was right. Most of us have heard of the word sympathy. Simply put, sympathy is when we have, don't miss this, sympathy is when we have common feelings of sadness or pity for and with someone else. We can relate to someone because the feelings are common. Someone's going through something that we have gone through ourselves. Someone's going through something that we agree with and we understand, so therefore there's a connection and we have sympathy towards them. Empathy has similar beginnings in the fact that there's an outpouring and a connection to that person, but it's quite different. Sympathy suggests that you share the the same feelings with that person or a similar experience. Empathy implies that you have the capacity to feel what they're feeling even though you don't quite understand what they're feeling. You haven't actually felt what they're feeling, so you have empathy for them. It's easy to sympathize with someone because we've walked through the same thing. But empathy requires a little more work because we're connecting to someone when we can't completely relate to someone. It's not something that comes again natural to us. 
Sympathy is someone growing up, for me, in a white family in the country with divorced parents. That's how I grew up. I can understand that. I cannot relate to growing up in a black family in an urban area and dealing with those things. Does it mean one's worse than the other? No, it doesn't. But I naturally can sympathize with this because I can relate to it. I can't relate to this. So what happens in our society is we have no empathy. We can't relate because we refuse to put ourselves in the other person's shoes. The hypocrisy is amazing on both sides. Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. I'm not taking a stand here, but let's just be honest. Again, some of you will never be back after this statement. A cop kills a black person, we justify it. They kill a white person, we explain it away. We get mad. Empathy says, man, I don't totally understand. And do not take that as I am anti-police. I'm blue as they come, baby. Do not, don't read into something that ain't there. I'm just trying to give you an example. We're, we have hypocrisy in our stances. The same situation is wrong when it's close to home. And it's right when we, we, we don't understand it. We have sympathy and no empathy. But to... Uh, Love someone we disagree with, we have to have empathy. And again, do not mistake empathy as agreeing. Empathy just means I'm going to step out of my shoes. I'm going to put myself in that person's shoes. And I'm going to try to see things through their point of view. It doesn't mean I'm going to agree with them, but it might give me an insight into their world. Here's what the Bible says in James 1.9, my dear brothers and sisters. I just messed that up. Galatians 6.2. Got him ahead of myself because I'm so excited about the next point. Galatians 6.2 says, carry each other's burdens. Not just the person you agree with. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. That means I am to carry the burdens of people that are carrying a weight that I don't even necessarily understand. Doesn't mean I have to agree. Doesn't mean I have to approve. But if they're going through something, I carry their burdens. I can't relate to somebody who gives up everything in their life for drugs. I just can't. That's not been my journey I can't comprehend it. It doesn't click in my head why you can't just walk away. But if I understand empathy, I put myself in their shoes, and I realize they have a different struggle than I have because I have my own struggles, and I do all that I can to carry their burdens through that time. I should do a whole series on empathy. I kind of rocked my world this week when I studied it. I don't know that I'm smart enough to do it. You might have to actually work. (laughs) I should study something. Putting ourselves in other people's shoes. I'll give you an example. I can have thoughts all day long on COVID. All day. All day long. I can give you Gary Lamb's opinion on COVID. Reality is I've never had COVID. So while I can give my opinions all day long, I've never had it. So who am I to bash someone who's going through it or has a family member going through it just because I don't agree with how they view it? Their view is they have a family member in the hospital dealing with it. Empathy towards me says, you know what? I get that they're a little, they're on edge about the subject right now. They're a little tense about my stance on it. Man, I can argue with them or I can have empathy and say, put myself in their shoes. If it was my dad in the hospital, I might have a different tune. Who knows? Empathy, not just sympathy. I'm commanded to love. 
I can't love if I don't put myself in someone else's shoes. Next thing we're going to do is we're going to listen to hear and not respond. We'll call this the Gary Lamb. We'll call this the Christine Lamb riding Gary Lamb's buttocks point. I have a tendency to listen, to respond, and not listen to hear the person that's talking to me. Uh, you know why David's saying that's right? Because me and David are very similar. <laughs> Instead of listening to the heart of the person that we disagree with, we're looking to pounce with our response. Instead of zipping it, listening, listening to their heart, listening to where they're coming from, listening to their circumstances, listening to the road they traveled that has got them to that point in their life, we're just ready to pounce with a response that we think is slick and elegant. We're not listening to hear. <laughs> As we're listening We're showing how unwise and how immature we are because all we can't wait is to rebuttal. Because again, they deserve to hear our opinion. I'm Gary Lamb. Who wouldn't want to hear my opinion? Especially in my own house. Apparently a lot of people. (laughs) Instead of listening to have a heart, we're listening to debate. Matter of fact, I, I love it. Like, there's triggers. They say certain things. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get back to that. Like, I get mad that I forget which I was taking notes. You know what I mean? Because I just want to respond. Hey, and by the way, you said this in your second sentence. Let me go ahead and tell you that wasn't. I'm not listening to here. Problem is you can't follow the Bible and have that mindset. Because here's what the Bible says. For those of you that think the Bible's complicated, it doesn't get more simpler than this. James 1.19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. I just don't understand the Bible. What does that mean? Here's what it means. It means to be quick to listen. Two ears, one mouth. Listen. Slow to speak. And slow to become angry. So you can almost surmise that if we're not quick to listen, then we speak fast and we speak angrily. Happens on social media all the time. You say, why are you making such a point about this? Here's why. You're turning people away from Jesus Christ. And the only reason we're left on earth is to share the good news to all creation. Pilate looked down after he gave him. He said, do you want, um, you want Barabbas or you want Jesus? They said, he said, I washed my hands of it. Because he didn't want the blood on his hands. We're going to stand before God with blood on our hands. For all the people who never came to Christ simply because we had to argue and be right. Simply because we couldn't shut up and listen to hear instead of listening to respond. Last and I'm done. We're going to go home. If we respond, and let me make this very clear, there's a time to respond. Being a Christ follower doesn't mean you have to be a mute. It doesn't mean you have to be quiet and not give thoughtful answers. But if we respond, we're going to respond in two ways, grace and with truth. We miss this a lot. A lot of us respond in the opposite of grace and think it's okay because there's truth. It takes both. We respond in grace and in truth. When we encounter people with a belief that is contrary to ours, we must understand that we represent Jesus. We might be the catalyst for what leads to life change in their life. Therefore, when there's truth, it has to be said with grace. You heard the expression, people don't care what you know, do they know that you care? But it's the truth. They don't don't care. You didn't earn the right to speak that truth to them because they don't know that you care yet. 
A lot of times the street preacher on the corner, he's speaking truth. But he ain't shown any grace in it. So he becomes a laughing stock. The other problem with the church nowadays is there's so much grace that we don't speak any truth. We tickle the ears. The Bible says they'll tickle the ears in the late days. This isn't an either or thing. It's a both. You've got to have grace and truth. It always kills me about this church, the outside world. The outside world. I don't take a stand. I, I think I take pretty strong stands in this church. I think I call sin out pretty well. The difference is I, I like to think it's masked in grace. And so that's so shocking in our church world today. Because it's either grace and no truth or truth and no grace that we don't know what to do when we're biblical and do it both. If we respond, we will respond with grace and truth. It's in these moments when we feel the urging to speak the truth that we need to allow the Holy Spirit of God to lead us in how we respond. Not our flesh. Even if what you're saying is true, is it masked in grace? When we walk according to the Spirit's leading, guess what happens? We get what's called the fruit of the Spirit. I should do a series on the fruit of the Spirit too, actually. Because fruit of the Spirit's awesome. Because what you plant grows. You don't plant apple seeds and grow oranges. The Bible says, man, when you're walking in the, the Spirit, the fruit will be evident. Joy, love, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All the things that allow us to respond in a way that we need to respond. Church, next 22 days, 23 days, whatever it is. To me, the church big C's on trial. How will we respond? In a world that's ready for a civil war, in a world that's ready to fight, in a world that refuses to get along, the Bible says we're to be salt and we're to be light. We're to bring salt to the world. Salt brings flavor, um, savoring to the world. We're to be light, lights in the darkness. No matter how dark it is, a little bit of light will shine through. We're to be salt, we're to be light. We do that by loving people. Even when we disagree. So my question to you is how have you been responding to people you disagree with? Only you know. Well, actually, no. We all know because we see it on Facebook. <laughs>